the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. We are episode 10. Wow. And we are very excited to be uh, here. How did that happen? How did we get to episode 10? (laughs) Beats me. Beats me. We have Ash with us again back for part two of Why Have We Stayed? Why have we stayed? Why have we stayed? Mm. Why why have we stayed? (laughs) Why are we still doing this? (laughs) Uh, Yes. We've been speaking a lot about uh, women in ministry. And Mm. last episode, we covered a lot of our experience uh, within ministry and what we've been doing within service and volunteering within that space. And so this episode, we are going to attempt to kind of put some theology around Mm. that and our experience uh, within that. So... Today we're going to be digging into some passages, um, kind of looking at this argument perhaps, or Mm -hmm. this tension between um, egalitarian and complementarian Mm. sides of the women in ministry. Yeah. Debate, some may say. So, women in ministry, Sophie. (laughs) Oh dear. Um, (laughs) I have been trying to get away from this question my entire adult life uh, because I am not in the slightest bit interested in defending my calling. If you remember back to last week, Emma said she was still kind of wrestling with this a little bit. Um, And I think Ash probably would sit in that space as well. Like some things are certain, like calling, but maybe there's still some questions. Whereas I'm like, no, I'm done. (laughs) Like I'm just so done talking about this. Um, and have like a lot of things have really settled for me over the last maybe 10 years. So it's only ever an issue for me if someone walks up to me and says it's an issue. Like if someone confronts me and says you being a pastor or you being in ministry is an issue, that's the only time I really have to wrestle with it. Um, so I sometimes feel like I have to give them an answer, but I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of getting a bit bored of it, um, which sounds awful. Having said that though, (laughs) we have so many messages from people asking us to speak about this, that we couldn't not talk about it. Like we couldn't not talk about these things. Um, so Emma, do you want to maybe, I don't know, give us an overview or are you just going to flick straight to Ash? Oh, look, I'm (laughs) going to go straight to Ash with the, um, the point of view. I mean, in the last ep, Ash, you were saying that you've written an essay (laughs) on, uh, these two views. So I thought, why not just handball that straight to you? Yes. Ash, tell us about complementarianism and egalitarianism. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) um, well, so briefly, briefly, it's very, very, very complex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so nuanced there's so many positions and it's a it's a big scale mm-hmm. like you can say that you're identify in one category but you might um, not be as uh, strict in that yes. um, thinking yeah um, so yeah it's quite a big spectrum so just mm-hmm. have that in mind yes mm-hmm. but the two big categories that you'll hear um, is the first being terms complementarian uh, so that is the school of thought that women shouldn't be pastors, mm. um, women shouldn't be um, preachers in ministry. Mm. So that's the extreme, mm. um, that women have um, no official involvement in the church. Yeah. Other types of passages that back up this view, um, just one briefly is from Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 to 35. I'll read that for us. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for this is disgraceful for women to speak in the church. 
Yeah. Yes, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why the complementarian view juice. is so compelling because yeah. Paul seems so clear. Totally. Like so clear on this. And that's yep. just one. Yeah, one of many. Yep. Um, and just in there's a whole context behind yes. these verses too. So if you are interested, strongly recommend that you do read around the yeah. text. Yeah. Um, the second view is egalitarian. Um, so that means uh, equal that women and men um, yeah, can have the same office as pastor, mm. preacher, um, mm-hmm. same capacity within the church. Mm. So women can be pastors. And the passage that um, we have just to um, shed some light on that is Galatians 3.28. Therefore, uh, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm. So that, yeah, really takes on the where our equality before Christ. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so that, that's mm. probably the, the ends of the, expe- the spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. Like within that, you get what people call like soft complementarians. So they have slightly mm, different totally. views. So like mm-hmm. they are kind of the two hardcore ends of the spectrum. And then there are people that sit on the spe- anywhere on the spectrum. And there are different names for different groups that sit in the different spaces. But if we're keeping things simple, just to kind of give you an overview, they are the two big complementarian, mm-hmm. egalitarian. All right. So what do we do about this then? What mm. do we do about this tension where scripture is saying a bunch of different things mm. and people clearly can land on either end of the spectrum? What do you do about it? Yeah, it's so hard. Mm. Like if the Bible was 100% clear on this, then there wouldn't be any disagreement. Like well, if the yeah. Bible was 100% clear, women should be silent and there was no um, passages yeah. that seemed to contradict that, we would all be complementarians and the same would go for egalitarian. If Paul had never written about women being silent, we would probably not hold yeah. a complementarian view. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and this could be a little bit controversial, but anyone that says the Bible is 100% clear one way or the other isn't actually doing the hard work to wrestle with the fullness of what the Bible says on this topic. So, for example, you've got the passage that was read for us before from Paul saying that women should be silent. So you think, okay, Paul thinks women shouldn't have a position in the church, women shouldn't speak in the church. And then Paul sends Phoebe, Mm -hmm. a woman, to be the first one to proclaim the letter of Romans to the churches in Rome. Mm-hmm. So you read in Romans 16 that Phoebe is um, is a part of this community and Paul sends her with the letter to Rome to read it to the house churches. Mm-hmm. Scholars, Some scholars suggest that it's possible she actually had a part in writing the letter with Paul. Mm-hmm. We think of letter writing today as a solo activity, like when we shoot off an email to someone, but in the ancient world, People mm-hmm. would do yeah. it in community. They'd be writing together. And so like, there are some scholars who pose that as an option. But at the very least, Phoebe was the first person to interpret the letter of Romans to the churches in Rome mm-hmm. because she would have gone and read the letter to the churches in Rome. Mm-hmm. And if they had questions, she would have been the one that answered them. That's right. What do we do with that? Exactly. And I mean, even like she would have had to memorize yes. the writings. It wasn't like, yes. oh, I'm just reading off something. This was yeah. a Phoebe almost like acting it out to the yes. church. Yeah. And so mm. we can be so sure that Paul says, mm. no, women can't do this. And yet he sends a woman yes. to the church of freaking Rome Yes. and <laughs> says, you have to perform this yep. to 
all the churches here in this place. Yeah, it's so crazy. And so like, I don't want to pigeonhole anyone, but t- it tends to be the way that those who are complementarian or hold the position that women shouldn't be pastors see Romans as like Paul's greatest letter. Mm. It's usually one of their favorite things, like letters in the Bible or probably books of the whole Bible. And yet you've got a woman being the one to read it in Rome. And so, Paul, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is going on there? <laughs> yeah. Now, I would say that there are what we call socio-historic or social and historical contextual reasons that Paul commands women and wives to do certain things. And we need to take the social and historical context into consideration. But even then, I find people are quite happy sitting in their position on the spectrum, either yes, women can be pastors or no, they can't. And so I find the debates about this stuff pretty fruitless. Um, It's not often that you see people changing their minds on this topic. And if they do, it isn't often because someone has argued them over to the other side. And that's true of lots of debates, like Mm, just yelling louder at someone, your position doesn't really help. So I'm not saying that there's not a place for good, solid biblical interpretation on those passages. You know me, you know, that's one of my passions. I love to answer things with, well, what does the Bible say? But what I am saying is that these debates aren't usually worth the energy. And honestly, it like the debates about these Bible verses isn't what has settled my idea that I can be a pastor as a woman. Mm, that's very interesting. I'm mm. very interested about that. Um, like I'm genuinely shocked right now. I just didn't see that coming. Um, that <laughs> the argument in and of itself has not been that which has confirmed your calling as pastor or yep. you feel like oh. has allowed permission for you to yep. do what you're doing. Yeah, the egalitarian. So like I, I believe women should be able to be pastors um, and, and hold the office of pastor, but it hasn't been the egalitarian Bible argument yeah. that has led me to that position. Oh, why? Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah. What, has, what has led you? Yeah, to so that? two key things have happened for me uh, that ha- are related to the Bible, and I will bring it back to that at the end, but two key experiences that I've had. Mm. And the first one was hearing God speak to me and say, you're going to be a pastor one day. So just like in the last episode, um, when Ash was saying, like, we all grew up in the Lutheran church, we didn't have women role models as pastors, Mm -hmm. as preachers. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen that before, except maybe like Christine Kane and Joyce Meyer on TV, (laughs) like, you know, like, and that's probably again, showing my age, but like, I didn't have women role models in the church. So I had no conception in my mind as like an 18 or 19 year old that a woman could be in that role because I'd just never seen it. I'd never Mm, thought about it. And so... So getting up, getting ready for uni one day, um, had a shower, got dressed, was doing my hair in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, brushing my teeth. And I, it's the only time in my life that I feel like I have audibly heard the voice of God. Now, I'm not sure it was audible, but it's what it felt like to me. And literally it was, you're going to be a pastor one day. Oh my God. And that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't know women couldn't do that like I had some inklings that you know in the Lutheran church they wouldn't be able to I'm making Emma tear up everybody (laughs) (laughs) she's crying but I just went okay like and I was like I'm gonna shelf that for now because I'm studying social work and um you know it's not a right now thing and it's that's just always stuck with me um yeah so that's the first thing that happened uh, but then everything changed for me when I was uh, doing my Masters of Divinity at Tabor, mm. at Bible College, and I was in a class called Holy Spirit and the Church. Oh, and my Yeah, perfect for this, <laughs> right? And my theology lecturer knew that I'd come from a Lutheran background, knew that I was wrestling with calling into ministry, that the Lutheran Church wouldn't let me be a pastor because they don't ordain women. 
And he asked me the question, how would an emphasis on the Holy Spirit change the conversation about women in ministry? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like I had, I literally had no idea. I was like, what on earth could the Holy Spirit have to do with the topic of women in ministry? Because in my mind, the debate was a biblical and exegetical topic. Yeah. Basically, we had to answer the question, what did Paul mean when yep. he said women should be silent? Yep. So what on earth does the Holy Spirit have to do with this? I didn't think the Holy Spirit had anything to do with this conversation. Um, so I think we do need to wrestle with the passages in Paul. I am a biblical scholar. That is something that I'm passionate about. But I actually I wrote an essay for that class on the topic of the Holy Spirit and women's ordination. And I wrestled through that topic in writing the essay. And it's fundamentally changed how I approach the topic of women oh. in ministry. And so this time I have a theology answer rather than a Bible answer just for you, Emma. Oh, thank you. We love theology. And that's like gobsmacking. Yeah, it is. I am crazy, absolutely gobsmacked just knowing you as a person and knowing how you function and what you live out of. Mm. I am gobsmacked that that wasn't a dig deep into uh, what Paul exactly meant through mm. 500 different commentary yeah. answers <laughs> and the Greek. Yeah, mm. which is totally my style and normally what <sighs> I would do. But this, uh, yeah, this essay changed everything. Wow. For me. Well, can we talk about it? Like, yeah. can you unpack? Yeah. Yeah, what went so down? as I began to read and explore on this topic, I realized that all of the New Testament scholars that I deeply respected said that the New Testament was ambiguous on the topic. So like the New Testament didn't actually have a good answer on the topic or in other words, who could and couldn't be in ministry wasn't the priority of the early church. The yeah. early church weren't writing with us in mind 2000 years later having this debate. They were trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus mm -hmm in the first century world where the Roman Empire still existed and was persecuting them and all this stuff was going on and they're like, how do we live out what Jesus yes. has called us to do? Yeah. And I realized that an emphasis on the Holy Spirit was actually the missing piece in the conversations oh. around women in ministry. So wow. the Lutheran Church has been debating this topic as long as I can remember. We've mm -hmm. voted on it so many times in the last, I don't know how many years, yeah. that women can't be pastors and it always comes back to the passages in Paul. And I was like, wonder what would change if the Holy Spirit was part of that conversation mm. and so all of these new testament scholars every single one of them all pointed back to acts 2 the day of pentecost when we see that prophecy from joel 2 mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. being spoken about the spirit being poured out on all people including sons and daughters both male and female servants mm. or as one theologian put it um douglas webster he said it like this on the day of pentecost the holy spirit was gender inclusive yeah <laughs> i really like that yeah and so what you get in 1 corinthians 12 like right before that 1 corinthians 14 passage yes, which is really yeah. interesting in 1 corinthians 12 paul explains that the spirit gives different gifts to different people as he determines mm -hmm. it's up to the spirit the spirit gives gifts the way the spirit wants to and interestingly there are no examples in the bible or in church history that show that gifts of the spirit were given on the basis of gender in all of Paul's teaching about spiritual gifts, he never sorts them into groups of male-only or female-only gifts. Mm. And so theologian John Stackhouse puts it this way. He says, Paul never says that all leaders, all pastors, all teachers, and all evangelists will be men and that the women's gifts reside among the remainder or the leftovers. Mm. He says, gift-giving is always based on the freedom of the spirit to choose and the spirit chooses to give the full range of gifts both to men and to women, the Holy Spirit is gender inclusive. Mm. So theologian Stanley Grenz, and I should just point out, these are all male uh, scholars that I'm quoting. He goes mm. so far as to say this, and this, this is one that really got me. He said, to deny women the opportunity to obey the spirit places <laughs> us in the position, not only of acting unjustly towards women, 
but more importantly of standing in opposition to the work of the sovereign holy spirit Ooh, and say that again to deny women the opportunity to obey the spirit places us in the position not only of acting unjustly towards women but more importantly of standing in opposition to the work of the holy spirit so basically he's saying to deny or ignore that the spirit equips and gifts women for pastoral ministry is actually to deny the work of the spirit it's wow. massive yeah i think for the first time ever i've left emma completely speechless <laughs> like she can't move i just feel like crying mm. to put i want to say us women in a position to disobey holy spirit yeah wow that just makes me all weep mm. i've never heard it articulated like that mm. yeah yeah, so for me, this was quite compelling. If all of the New Testament scholars that I respect and I go to on everything, like the guys who are writing commentaries, who, who I just think are like top, top shelf scholars, none of them could point to a clear argument either way. They said it was ambiguous. And that at the end of the day, if the spirit gives gifts, irrespective of gender, if the Holy Spirit is gender inclusive, it's not a matter of justice or um, politics or um, conservative or liberal it is an issue of are we letting people follow the gifting and leading and calling of the spirit mm. and it's almost as if like if you take this if you take mm. this on what is the thing that gets in the way of us is it our ego is it mm. our our self-justification is it, is it our pride is it our sin like what what in us or people we know mm. that is there that will say no don't mm. do not obey mm. the lord yeah it's such a good question and it's so hard because often the people who are saying that uh their desire is to be completely faithful to the biblical text Yes, And I want to affirm and uphold that because in no way, shape or form am I saying that we don't uphold the biblical text. Now, I think that we need to do some work on Paul um, because there's a lot of stuff that gets missed, a lot of stuff that was going on in the cultural context. So there is there is a desire within people to say, you know, if we take the Bible seriously, we take it all seriously. I love that. Mm. Um, But if none of the New Testament scholars can agree or they none of them can say that it's clear then I think we actually need to bring the Holy Spirit into the conversation. And I think that's the thing that has been missed. Mm. Like the, when, if my lecturer said to me, how would the Holy Spirit help us reorient this? And I couldn't come up with an answer because no one had ever said that the Holy Spirit had anything to do with it. Mm. It was the first time I was hearing it. And it sounds like it's probably the first time yeah. you're both hearing it too. It just means we haven't talked about it. And so there could be sin, there could be pride, there could be a, a really good desire to take the Bible seriously. But I actually also think we just haven't, talked about it yeah Um, yeah why have we missed this Mm. like why have we missed holy spirit like an emphasis on holy spirit yeah i I mean i gave gave an answer in my essay and i'll I'll kind of unpack it for you and this is just one of many possible answers and you might be able to think of others but i actually think in in this conversation about whether women can be pastors or not too much emphasis and attention has been given to the vessel that brings the message rather than the message itself. Yes. So for me, this raises a bigger question about where authority lies. Does authority lie with the pastor, with the preacher, or does the authority lie with the one who gifted them in the first place? Mm-hmm. So in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, we have this treasure mm. in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And so for me, the ordination debate, can women be pastors or not, 
has been unhelpfully people-centric or Mm. clay jar-centric, to use Paul's analogy. But I think a more helpful framework is one where the focus is actually on the giver of the gifts Mm -hmm. to show that the gift is not from human strength or natural ability, but from God. And there's another theologian, Patrick Franklin, puts it. He said, giftedness and not gender should determine a person's qualifications to serve. The sovereign call of the Holy Spirit trumps all other criteria that are based on church structure and tradition or the innate qualities of individual persons, including gender. So it's not the natural qualities or attributes or gender of a person, but the spirit of God who equips for ministry and calls people into it. Wow. Uh, So I've also been wrestling uh, with the thought that it's possible this debate has happened because we lost sight of why we were talking about women in ministry in the first place. So I don't think that women are longing to participate in pastoral ministry as if getting a seat at the table or having power is the end goal. Mm, The gifts of the spirit are given to the body of Christ, both men and women, so that people will come to know who Jesus is and be invited into the kingdom and to know the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. So at the heart of this is a desire for people to come to know the good news of Jesus. And while women being pastors is just one avenue for participation in ministry, so we don't hold that the only way to participate in ministry or what God is doing is to be a pastor, but it is one avenue for that. And so reframing the debate in light of the big picture goal of people coming to know Jesus and being welcomed into his kingdom, I think is really helpful. So this is not just about giving women a seat at the table. It's about acknowledging that the spirit gives gifts to both men and women, irrespective of their gender. Um, the spirit can do whatever he wants. Uh, and actually the reason for having both men and women is we bring the yeah. gift of wanting people to know who Jesus is. And that isn't just a male thing. It's yeah. a male and female thing. We can all be called into this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. And I think for me, I, I probably take this a bit further in being mm-hmm. like um, to hear the voice of God for all people, from all people. Mm. So for mm. me, this opens up the door to a beautiful image of what the church mm. is and will be. Mm. And for me, I'm like, I want to hear an African dad preaching. Mm. Um, I want to hear an, an Indonesian nun, you know. Mm. I want to hear a um, 70-year-old, uh, you know, wartime nurse. I don't know, yeah. like, like have the diversity yeah. of the word of God coming from different worldviews, different perspectives, different mm. cultures, yep. different ethnicities. I feel like we would just get a, a depth of our understanding of Christ mm. when we hear from different people. Yeah. And yeah, I, this is where my heart goes when I think of this more is it's mm. really just a diversity mm. in who we hear the word of God from. Yes. Mm. Yeah, oh, totally. And I think, that for me is a picture of the kingdom, both the one in new creation that we're going to get to see and mm. what we're called to be a part of now. And you get it in the prophets and you get it in Revelation that every tribe and tongue and nation are going to be um, with one voice declaring who God is. Mm. And I can't speak for every church because we can only speak for the ones that we have been a part of and that we've seen, but I haven't seen the breadth and the beauty and the diversity of the church globally represented in mm. a lot of the churches I've been a part of. Yeah. yeah, And that's really sad. And coming back to the call and being obedient to Holy Spirit, like who are we to say that, um, yeah, an African dad doesn't have the call in his life or mm. someone from Indonesia, let alone just like male and woman, like who are mm. we to mm. have or even believe that we have the place 
and the position and the authority mm. to make those calls. Mm. Yeah. And so there are obviously all sorts of fun things that you can get into around like, you know, is ordination necessary and can just people get up and, and share about who God is mm. out of their experience. And there's so many other big questions in there. Um, and as a pastor, you want to give the microphone to people with wisdom and discernment as well. But um, I do think that we lose something when we don't have a diversity of people speaking in our churches, mm-hmm. when it's always the same kinds of people with the same kinds of um, upbringing or experience in life, because we all bring who we are to the Bible and the way we talk about who Jesus is. Uh, and so you're right, Ash, it does kind mm-hmm. of open this conversation up more broadly to include everybody um but within that this male and female distinction we've been talking about Mm. so uh just for all the listeners at home um emma has been brimming with tears (laughs) while ash and i've been talking um so there's clearly something uh going on in this for you it's the first Mm. time you've heard it and i did drop it on you without letting you know what i was going to say first which wasn't very fair we don't normally do that um but what's going on like what are the tears for yeah i just had to regather myself Mm. um think I'm feeling uh angry Mm. and sad but I think a lot of it is grief Mm. I think I'm grieving the fact that people in my life have told me that I'm not gifted Mm. or have permission to do what I feel so deeply is on my life Mm. And that anger that comes out and kind of spills over into grief is really rooted in like, how dare someone make me disobey Holy Spirit mm. Mm. and what I feel like has been on my life and what God has confirmed mm. in and through so many people mm. in so many spaces mm. across friggin' Australia. Yeah. <laughs> how dare someone put me in a position where I feel like I have to disobey Holy Spirit. Mm. And not do what he's put on my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's massive. Mm. Mourning that, right? Mm. Yeah. Mourning all those like years. Mm. Yeah. At some point down the track, we will talk about, um, you know, the different things we've experienced in churches and then maybe the different things that have been said to us over the years about, mm. um, about our callings. And it can be really hard to figure this stuff out. Like you think you hear God really clearly, like I did. Um, and then some people will be so affirming of that. So, Mm. um, you know, I heard God say audibly to me, you know, you're going to be a pastor one day. And then I was in a a church tradition that said I couldn't be, Mm. but there were these faithful, beautiful old people at the church I was going to who would like write me letters and be like, you know, once the Lutheran church starts ordaining women, we can't wait for, you know, you to be a pastor in the Lutheran church. Um, And it actually took me leaving the Lutheran church and going to a denomination where Mm. I could have, full participation in order for me to fulfill my calling. And so that's been really hard. Like there's grief associated with leaving churches. There's grief associated Mm. with the different things that have been said to probably all of us over the years of um, these different things. But uh, one of the big things for me is so many faithful, older people who have followed Jesus their entire lives and like have just models of faith have have confirmed these things and so there have been times where other people have been like you're not called to this or you're not gifted in it and it's like how do I keep coming back to what God has said first and foremost and then how do I keep remembering that these like faithful saints of the church Mm. have also been a part of confirming this over and over 
um, and not letting those couple of voices that have sucked mm. uh, be mm. kind of the dominant voices that that get the say. Mm. It's not easy. Because I think what I find in that and what really hurts is when you're pretty well told to your face, like, you are not enough, mm. like, there's a limitation in you and it's it's just a flat-out no. Mm. Like, it's not around capabilities. Yeah. Or even like necessarily gifting as much as it is like you in and of yourself mm. can't. Mm. Yep. And the point was, of course, we in and of ourselves can't. Like we are no. the clay jars that are broken and cracked. And the point of that being that we aren't enough, but with God at work in us, it, we show that the ability to do any of these things, the gifting to do any of these things comes from him and not from us. Mm. And so, I don't know, like if we want to pull another Bible verse, it, it's in our weakness that he is strong. It's in our brokenness that he is shown to be the one with the all-surpassing power. And so the point is never about us being complete or full or having everything figured out. The point is God in me, mm-hmm. he has given me the words to speak. If we want to go back to Jeremiah, we were talking about, in the previous um, episode, it's it's God in us. It's spirit gifting uh, that gives us the ability to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are listening and you have ever been told you are not enough or you're not called or you're not gifted, like I'm sorry that that has been yeah. the experience because it sucks and it hurts and it mm-hmm. takes years to untangle um, and work through what is from God and what is from other people. Uh but if we want to have, if we want to think about like how do we discern if it's from God or if it's from us or if it's from other people, um, like if it's um, other people speaking into that, like get some really good people around you who know you, who have been walking with Jesus longer than you have, mm-hmm. and let them speak into it and ask them, "Am I gifted for this? Do you see this calling on my life?" And be open to them saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do, keep wrestling with that. Talk to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important that you have other people speaking into your life on this and people that you trust and that have your best and your flourishing at heart mm. I think is really important. So while this is probably going to bring up some hurt and some grief about the things that you have been told and the things that you've taken, perhaps taken on board as, as truth or the narrative that you now let play, for me this has actually been a really freeing thing because where the Bible isn't clear necessarily on this topic like we can't say the bible's 100% clear either way knowing that the spirit has gifted me in really particular ways and that the debate will continue to go on in different circles and I'm like Do you know what I'm actually not going to waste my time on the debate uh, because other people can keep having that I'm actually just going to get on with the thing that God's called me to and so I'm not going to sit around and defend my calling in these debates I'm actually going to go, if the if God has gifted me in this, if I have spirit gifting in this particular area, then I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just going to get on with it and do what God has called me to do. And so for me, this has been a really freeing experience. And I hope that if you are listening at the other end of this, if after the processing mm-hmm. of the grief and the um, all the different things that might have been said, that you'll actually get to find this is a freeing experience as well. We don't need to sit and worry, am I doing something that's unbiblical? It's like, am I doing something that God has called me to? And that's mm. the big question. That's really, really good. Mm. And I think that the the title of the episode, Why mm. Have We Stayed? Mm. That has to be it, hey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Why have we stayed? Because God has called us. 
uh, because he's faithful despite all of the crappy things that might have been said over the years to Mm. all of us. Uh, God remains who he is. He's still got a plan. The church is still his plan A, despite me constantly being confused about, about why that would be. And we stay because he's called us and because he's faithful to bring all things to completion. And it's okay that in the meantime, it hurts. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And so that's why we do this. That's why we say that wrestling is important because we're Mm -hmm. all at different stages of this um, journey with all sorts of different topics. And so we do want to keep wrestling. Uh, We want to keep, you know, sitting in the tension and in the pain of different things um, and lamenting where we need to lament. Mm. But we also want to continue to trust in Jesus despite the questions and the wrestle. Uh, So I hope today has... um, given you another perspective on this topic if you have more questions at the end of this that is totally okay and we are very happy for you to message us um so if you follow us on instagram send us a message ask more questions and we'll see you next time Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast. That was really weird. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Are you going to say something about episode 10? Yeah. 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 I was like, That's Good From You podcast. I was like, that was weird. I'm not, you know. Let's circus. That sounded like I was in a second. And welcome back. <laughs> 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 they gave me those vibes. Okay. <clears throat>